His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. The bathroom was full. <laughs> I was first, yay. Um, yeah, sometimes it's a necessity. Okay. Um, Tony wanted me to announce that next... next um, Sunday, we're going to take an offering for Michael. So we'd kind of given you a heads up a while back, and then uh, just wanted to let you know that we were going to do that for his um, possibly going back to Australia and the mission there and stuff. So, wow. Lord, I, I just want to say you're good. Lord, I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, let through my mouth and eyes be able to impart, God, just a part of what you did in me. I thank you. I thank you. Well, I've, we counted up and I've been to 28 nations and Still, I'm amazed, you know, us living where we do and that I would be to, at that many nations. But the prophetic words, and God's words are true, you know. And some you have to pray into being, and other times they just are part of who you're going to be. And, you know, it was that I was going to put my feet in all these nations. And every time I was in a nation that I would leave residue of the Lord's heart there, of what he wanted. And I always feel their heart. I don't know. I'm a heart person anyway, so I'm a deep feeler of hearts. I come in and feel your hearts. I can feel your hearts if I start praying for you and you're away. It's just, and so I feel the Father's heart for these nations. And so I put my feet in 28 nations Mariah had called me and said, Mama, um, would you pray about going to South Korea? Um, because there's a trip coming up the 1st of June. I said, well, I don't know how, Papa. You know, and he's like, you stop that. I'm going to be fine. You know, but I had, Georgian asked me why I hadn't been on any for a while. And I just told him, I said, you know, I only pretty much go to the places where I haven't put my foot before so when you break open which georgian has that call too when you go to a nation and you break open in that nation because we got to go to the palestinians in israel through him and um and so this is a new one they've never gone to south korea before and it's kind of a timely one of all the upheaval going on around those nations and you know i was at in Israel during 9-1-1. I've been in Israel during the Intifada when the bombing was a block away. I'm never afraid because if you're where God wants you to be, there's just no fear. I mean, you know, I remember Teresa and I, the first time we went, tanks were on every corner and we're in this hotel. Well, we didn't know the Muslim quarter was right next to our hotel and all night long you could hear them warring. They were doing their war cries. I've never heard anything like it in my life all night long. And now I'm smart enough to bring earplugs, but I wasn't then, you know, and I put my fingers in my ears and think, what in the world? And it was just rage against Israel. And so there we were right in the heart of Jerusalem crying out for Israel and the, and the nation. Those seeds are going to come to fruition. You, this church has sent me so many times. I'm just telling you, God honors and he will do so saying all that um do the i i did i did pictures and a lot of you've seen them on facebook they weren't explained real well and so uh i'll be able to explain some of the people and what was going on but don't expect a world slide showed here at least i probably won't make you sick <laughs> that's indiana <laughs> We had ice and snow that night, and we had to get to the airport. And no, there was an. I don't think that's all of it. 
I, I, I'm, there we go. So that's it. I'll take it. Am I going to be the clicker? Yeah. Oh, boy. I've not done that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Maybe I'll be the clicker. That's what it looked like with that ice and snow in the dark. <laughs> well, um, while they're working on that, what I wanted to say was I felt the Lord told me this time to write out in my journal my journey. And I've not really done that. I would have given highlights before. But this time, I felt like he said, I want your heart expressed. I want you to write out in your journal the journey that I'm taking you on. And so you're going to get a lot of my journal this morning because um, you are. <laughs> okay. Um, that morning, I um, read something by Heidi and Roland in their um, book that we have for the School of Ministry. Paul didn't mourn the loss of this world. Everything paled in the light of the glory of God. This is what the church bride must point people toward. So, Lord, I begin a new journey with you, Jesus, this morning. The roads are icy, they're unplowed, and it's dark. As Ron and I head to the airport, nobody's been down our road to another journey to love and share this glory to those who haven't seen lives wrecked by abuse and hate. Being a pastor of your flock, I often pray and teach this group of your sheep, you all, that the glory of God is our pursuit, his kingdom, and all else is pale, nothing in comparison to him. In such a rich country, with pleasure, food, and entertainment at our fingertips, sharing this glory, passion, love for Jesus is difficult. For those with so many pleasures, heaven seems very far away. I loved when you prayed this morning, Zach, for Ariel, that maybe this would be something that would open her heart. But with the pleasures and so much going on, heaven seems so far away. The kingdom, another world, not so glorious to pursue. Our hopes, our dreams, and glory are first in this nation and often in ourselves. So again, let us see how pale all of this is in the light of your glory. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know everything I can. Back to the journey. Lord, help us get to the airport. Am I going to get a slideshow today? Okay. Okay. Where? It's just doing, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to stop. Can I not make it stop? Yeah, but I just wanted to show one at a time because I'm going to show and tell about like some of the houses and stuff when they see them. Okay. Back to the journey. Lord, help us get to the airport. Keep us safe in the car on the road. Give Ron strength and grace and continued healing from the cancer. And to walk this walk with you. Help him to rest in you this week. And me too. <laughs> I've been thinking of the heavenly glory of God. How? Because Jesus, you died. Now everyone who turns to you, believes in you, follows you, has full access to heaven now on earth and forever. So you died. Heaven could come to earth. All your desires is your sons and daughters who choose you above and amid and while here on this earth. That alone is our choice to choose you. Heaven's view is mine. Help me to shine with your glory so others will see it. Want, more than, want it more than anything. Teresa, you've prayed and prayed and prayed and declared and believed for Owen County and all the surrounding counties, for the people, the families, and the lives. I've heard you. 
They aren't just in my hand. I'm orchestrating every single detail of their lives. When you prayed, they became focused for me. They've been on my radar for a long time, as has the U.S. and Israel. I have heard, watch all I do in this hour. Don't fear. Don't fear. Just watch. Lord, now I'm going to an unknown country, Nicaragua. Teach me and help me to be an opening for your glory, a glimpse of you for wherever you put, for whatever you put in my path or whoever. This day of travel and flight are yours, Jesus. I love you. We made it to the airport. Okay. I'm sitting in an open room, bars on the window of this place, with palm trees all around and birds singing and squeaking, all kinds of sounds, praises to God. That's a compound, actually, and you can see the high walls. There's barbed wire and there are guards. Nicaragua is not safe for anyone that has any kind of money. Um, there's barbed wire everywhere. Um, Nicaragua, the flight down. I sat next to a man and his mother, and his name was Albert. He was very quiet and slept a lot, and sometimes people don't want to talk anyway, and I, I didn't care. And then the last two hours, we began to talk. He was part of the airlines, and I noticed that all the stewardess kept coming up and asking him if he wanted more to drink or if he needed something, he and his mother constantly. And so I was like, he must be somebody, you know. I didn't know. He's part of the airline for 30 years. He was a uh, steward and a well-known one. He was taking his mother back to Nicaragua after 46 years. He was born there. They had moved from Nicaragua during a war and escaped per persecution. I didn't know why at that point. He shared of traveling all over the world in the many countries. I told him of mine, my 28 countries, and this mission I was going to. He really liked that, and then I began to share about Jesus with him and how he was the very center of my life. He listened. We talked about God, and then he told me he was Jewish, and that was why he had, they had escaped Nicaragua, the great persecution. He and his mother had gone to Israel for the first time and how it had changed his life. The Jews... The Nicaragua, Guatemala, I just found out Guatemala has, is, is behind Israel becoming, or Jerusalem becoming a capital. All of those nations were the nations where Christopher Columbus came, and that great influx, influx from Spain, that influx was Jews. They were escaping a huge persecution, and they had moved to all the Central American countries, so they're all Jews. And, that, and then there was a Jewish persecution. The sad thing about Nicaragua is it's never backed Israel. It's been really, really antagonistic against Israel, and it suffered in great, great poverty. It is, it is the poorest Haiti used to be, but a lot of missionaries have gone into Haiti. Nicaragua does not have that. And so saying all that, um, I was finding these things out. He talked about how he and his mother had gone to Israel, and for the first time he went to the Wailing Wall. They were on, a, I think, a tour group, and he had a bunch of prayers, and he stuck them in the wall. And, and having been in all these places, I could just relate, and he's praying, and he starts praying like it's stuck to the wall. He literally, and, and if you understand anything about Jews, God moves in miraculous signs and wonders with Jews. They have miraculous encounters. I don't know if you remember David Dryling. God held him to the ground for hours before he gave his heart to the Lord. So here Albert was stuck to the wall. He said the tour group was leaving, and he couldn't, he couldn't loose himself from the wall. And, and uh, finally he said, okay, God, I he kept trying to pray. He was praying for things. And he's a very religious man. And he prayed, and he said, finally, okay, God, what do you want? And God said, I want you to forgive everyone that's ever hurt you. I want you to let it go. I want you to forgive all your enemies, all of them, and leave it. And he said he did that, and then he was released from the wall. But he said it changed his life. He didn't know. He and his mother have never been the same since they've been to Israel. Uh, anyway, after the um, 
wailing wall, he got real serious with me. And I had been talking to him about Jesus and how alive he was and personal. And he said that he had been in his room at home in L.A.'s where they live. And he had asked out loud, Jesus, do you love me? Can you love me? And Jesus appeared to him right in his face. And he said to him, yes, Albert, I love you. Albert had not lived a good lifestyle. It was obvious he had lived uh, uh, just a very hard situation. And he said, yes, Albert, I love you very much. And then he began to tell him how much he loved him. Well, I knew that the next step for him was that he had to come to know him. And so I just began to share with him and say, Albert, you can't just know about Jesus. It's wonderful you've had encounters and you realize he's alive and he's real, but he wants you to know him. And you need to know him. Can I pray for you? And he said, oh, yes, would you please? And then he said, I believe in divine encounters. You were supposed to sit in this seat. I mean, it was just amazing. And we prayed, and I asked him. I I started praying that he would come to know the Lord, that he would invite Jesus into his heart to know the Lord. And when we got all done, he said, thank you so much. And he said, "I, I felt energy. I felt energy coming. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit, Albert. That's the Holy Spirit. I said, you keep pursuing Jesus now. He's with you. And he hugged me. And then his mother, who she couldn't speak English, even though all those years she's lived in L.A., I think she they were rich Jews and protected, but she could understand it, and she was listening the whole time. And as we got ready to leave the plane, He thanked me again, and, you know, he wanted to know where the mission was, where I was at, and then she just hugged me and kissed me and thanked me. I mean, and I was like, Lord, I can't believe it. I went to Bulgaria and led a Bulgarian to the Lord, and you just let me lead a Jew to the Lord. Is that amazing? So now I'm going to tell you another amazing thing. Because I believe that there's a link with Israel and the United States. I believe it's linked to us. And so we go to this bed and breakfast that I'm showing you, this beautiful place. And guess who owns it? Messianic Jews. And they are crying out for, they are crying out that they'd been to Israel once when they found out I'd been there 13 times. They wanted to talk to me just about everything. But they found out that I was there to intercede for their nation. And they wanted to take me to the highest place in Nicaragua. But they said, this nation's full of Jews. And they need to come to know Jesus as their Savior. And I am, so we spend the evening with them. And I mean, they're just the owners of the place, sharing the Lord together. And they were so blessed, you know, that that I had come and that I was coming to pray for their country. Okay, so um, let me see if there was after that. Yeah, I told about the Jews. Christine Kane, life happens, every blow designed to knock you off your destiny and God's plan for you. That's a good one. And as you choose him, move forward, trusting, believing. He moves out as a champion. He moves as a mighty warrior in our lives to turn it all for good. With a shout, he will raise his battle cry and triumph over all your enemies. I will turn the darkness into light and before them make rough places as smooth. Jesus, you're my joy. Father, I rest in your hands. Thank you for every rough place you've made smooth. Open the way for me. Healed, delivered, loved me. Jesus, I love you. And loving you makes me alive in you. Because of you, you live in me. I am alive. I am patient. I am honoring. I am kind. I am humble. I don't compare. And I love this. Brian Simmons, I'm a mere servant. It's one of my favorite ones where they served the served all day in the field, go in and serve the master. And then at the very end, I, I never liked where I said we're unworthy because he, he's made us worthy. But Brian says, and I think Living says, we're mere 
servants. And I love that. I'm a mere servant. The more I come into him, I won't remember wrongs, and I'll move in incredible faith. So we went to church the next day, and it was in a school, a Christian school that were precious people, and we ate lunch with the leaders. The leaders of the churches, they planted churches all over South America. His name is Mike, and her name is April, and I don't even think I got their last names, but I'm going to tell you the website, the House of Hope, Nicaragua, and you'll be able to see some of these things. Anyway, they were the leaders. They'd started churches in many countries, plus the House of Hope, rescuing women from the streets, the brothels, etc. That was April, April's position. They're opening Houses of Hope in four other countries right now, and when we talked with them, they were just like us. It would have been like Ron and I sitting and talking with people that had come. They were just like us. They were simple, and they wanted to know about us. And, I mean, it was just uh, just amazing. They uh, Then we talked with them. They were just like us. They had begun to teach the culture of honor to their people. They loved Bethel, Bill Johnson, the teachings. They were teaching the culture of honor to their girls in, the, in, in their schools. They said it was singly the most important word they'd ever had. And they loved the Holy Spirit. Nicaragua, the poorest country in South America, always a negative word to people trying to speak love and honor over the people in the country, teaching them not to curse themselves, to, to, teach, uh, um, to teach their ministers to speak well of it. And they haven't. Um, Gina said the missionaries even have cursed Nicaragua. You know, it's so easy when you see lack or need or something wrong to say it. And God is going, I don't want you doing that. I want you to see what I want to do. Anyway, over half the city lives with wood stoves and no electricity. Civil war destroyed so much. They had a civil war in 1990. They had an earthquake in 1972 that totally leveled Managua, the city I was in. There's volcanoes all around this city, and it just totally decimated the whole city. And it's a huge city. I think there's several million just in that city. Um, Civil War destroyed as much, and they have an active witch. They had supposedly an election. The man was elected, and then he was allowed to appoint a um, vice president, which he appointed his wife, and she is a full-blown acting witch involved in covens and witchcraft all over the nation, all over the world, and they have these trees. Now, you got to realize the roads are rough. They've got holes in them, and that's the main roads, and then you don't want to go on the roads that aren't the main roads. I did. They're just dirt. They're just, you know, brush everywhere, but saying that, they had these trees, and I'm going to have a picture of them, but they're super, super high. It cost them 40000 to build each tree. And then to keep lighted, half the city has no electricity. Uh, uh, they don't even know because they, they, they aren't poor. If you look at statistics, they will not tell their statistics. They have no orphans. They closed Georgian's orphanage. He, that was the orphanage that you used to see. He, they closed that orphanage because they don't have orphans. And they don't have a prostitution need. And they don't have, so they just close these places. And so you see these blank lines when I was looking up statistics. They can't um, lie about the poverty of the nation. But other than that, so here's these trees, and they're supposed to reach the heavens and reach the demonic powers and bring blessing to the land. And so that is the infrastructure of Nicaragua, okay? So um, this tr they're called trees of light, $40,000 reaching the heavens as the poor have no food to eat. Okay, now let me see if I can start showing pictures. This is the... Uh, so you can see the walls, the compound that we were at, and it was warm, and I had just come from, I think you all were at two below, maybe four. So I wasn't quite awake. But And then this was the team, <coughs> and this is Gina. She is incredible. She's suffering from severe arthritis. Uh, the one on the 
right, right? Okay, and then this is Joyce, the prophet, and she's a Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> she is a case, and she was wonderful, but and very accurate with her prophecies, but she was, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of Roseanne Barr, I'm trying to think of somebody that was, you know, is just brash, New York, and she was, but sweet, she really loved Jesus, huh? Well, it, anyway, and so... That was, I think she grew up somewhat in the mafia. And, and so that was our team. And this was a moto bus, I think. And it was really fun. And I thought the kids would have loved it. And we would have liked it on our land. And anyway, that's us uh, getting ready to ride the thing. This is the House of Hope where we were getting ready to go. And um, I think the pictures aren't in order with the, this is the house of hope and you can see the walls, see the barbed wire clear up around the compounds. And, um, this is a room, uh, this is actually their house in this compound. The girls go in and this is their house. And so she, they probably have four or five children in this room and that's their house. This is their stove that they cook on right there and uh, that was actually a cleaned up one Joyce was really struggling with how dirty everything was and you it hits your senses as an American when they've been given something and it's filthy and it's like clean it up they don't know to do that they've never known they're trying to teach them how anyway uh, they've been teaching them how to plant those clothes are hung on barbed wire that's how that that's their clothes lines this is their shower anybody want to get in that their bathrooms this is the this is one of the houses and it actually has an extra room and then they had i think three or four babies in the in this house it's moms with their babies that a lot of these girls get pregnant when they're 13 14 years old and so they have lots of children and then this is the large room, and I think I'll show you both sides. It's very, very large. This is where we met. And um, this was uh, this whole building was a place where they had teenagers, underage teenagers uh, that they had had rescued out of these brothels. But the government said that they don't have a problem, and they couldn't have those teenagers, so they threw them back out on the street. And April's son was, was working with the teenagers. And so now that chair there is because they have um, doctors and nurses coming in and clinics for, uh, they have dentistry and then they have gynecology and all kinds of things of people that will come down here and work in that room. And then uh, the showers and bathrooms are the ones we were allowed to use and they were not clean. I'm just telling you. This is the um, 200... These are 300 women that come from all over, and on Tuesdays, they come and hear a message, and then they get to work, and they work, and then they try, that, and that's what you'll see on the House of Hope, and I've got some things. They make things. When they make those things, then they sell those things, and then each one of those women gets a paycheck, so they all make it there because it may be their food for the week. And if they don't, the way they've been taught to work is to be a prostitute. That is how the nation works. It's like my kids aren't eating. I know what I got to do. And they just lay down their lives. These, this is not uh, anything that anyone would want to imagine. Anyway, this baby, his name is Ashley, and she's the one I've been telling people about. She's, she's a real cutie, but she never was still. And she ran all around the building and was loud. And it was lots of children, but she was especially that way. She's about two, I think. And she ended up over, I'm sitting watching someone get ready to speak. And she's sitting over in the sidewall beside me. And I realized she'd been quiet for a long, long time. And so I kept looking over and kind of waving at her, trying to smile at her. And she was just looking at me like that. I mean, she she sat there at least five minutes still. Now, this is a little girl that never does. And then all of a sudden, she went, <sighs> and screamed. 
because she'd never seen blonde hair before. And my hair scared her because everybody's got black hair there. And um, she, uh, her, she ran to her mom, and then her mom came up to me, and she could speak enough English to go. She grabbed my hair and said, yellow. And I said, yeah, I scared your baby. And she went, huh. She thought it was hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> this is the work they're doing. They're making pencils. Somebody donated that equipment. They have, I think, olive wood, and they make pens and pencils that are really cool. And then she's showing a bow that they make. And see, it's, it's all ages of women, and they get one paycheck a week from whatever they make. And these, these guys are sewing. Um, most of them are grandmas because they won't take orphans in. Uh, the grandmas have got, come to the Lord, come out of those brothels, and their daughters are still involved in it. And so the grandmas are working on rescuing their grandchildren, and they have sometimes four and five grandchildren in those little rooms, and they're raising them. But actually, it's probably more than what they would have had on a street. So, But this was a, one of the little old ladies came and asked if I uh, would like to buy an apron. And um, April was standing next to me, and she said, this pays for, their, for her grandchildren and takes care of them. And so, I mean, you want to buy from everybody. It's just, it's just the way it is. But <coughs> I hope I'm staying on the track here we went to the house of hope we went to the house of hope it was a lot like the compound in mozambique and i just showed a picture of it it, it had buildings with small rooms that served as the woman's home while she lived there then a large meeting building joint showers poverty dirty is just so much part of the culture they are teaching the woman to care for themselves cleanliness and freedom of heart culture of honor, lots of children, babies, lives so wrecked by poverty and sin. We shared and then we prayed for them to receive more of the Holy Spirit's power. I wept as I held some of them in my arms. One woman's arm and shoulder had been totally cut off. She was an older lady and her pimp had just had it with her, cut off her arm and shoulder throughout on the street and she wouldn't be alive today except that they took her in Young girls, 11, 13, not even having a chance to start life, felt God's love flowing into them, pouring into them. 60% of Nicaragua is unemployed. The average income is $2 a day. Uh, and their cost of living is not cheap. It costs money. It costs money for electricity. It costs money for all those things. Uh, going to speak to them today, Jesus, what can I say? Give me your words. Yesterday we spoke. This is January. I don't know what days these are. The 17th, we spoke and ministered to a large group of women. It was hard because I didn't understand the language. That's the one thing. If I had to do it over, an interpreter was $125 for the whole week. I would have paid for it because I like to communicate, and especially when they're hugging me and wanting to talk to me. But they knew my story, so they knew. I mean, I after I spoke, I shared... Um, if I could do it, they could do it. And I talked about my childhood and just different things where I had to pray and trust God and how real Jesus was to me. And then I told him, I said, um, God has overcome so many things in my life. He's healed my body. He's done so many things. But, uh, now I'm facing a big trial. My husband has cancer and, um, you know, we're believing God for a miracle for that. Well, one of the things we were there, and I was there to teach them, was how to pray, how to believe God for their country and their nation and their generations. And it felt like us. It just, you guys, I don't, I don't even know how to say it. They're not different. I felt just like I'm talking to you guys. And they were listening, and they were crying, and I, and I said, you guys, if I can pray, you can pray. And Gina was going to get up and teach on Lioness Arise by Lisa Bevere about uh, rising up in prayer and believing God to change their family lines and their nation. And so anyway, right after I finished sharing, they all just got up and rushed towards me. And they began to lift my hands up and pray. And they wanted to pray for Ron. 
and they prayed for us and they prayed with all their might and when they got done praying they just started and I couldn't understand them so they made they got an interpreter for me God has healed him. He's well. God says he's healed him. I mean, over and over they spoke things like that. But from that point on, the grandmas, when they found out how how old I was, because they look older, but I know I was probably the oldest person in that whole place. And, you know, 64 for them, after the lives they've had, is really old. And they, they just came up and were hugging me and constantly, the older ladies were constantly hugging me and just wanting that reassurance that God could do something for them. I mean, some of them came up and they were crying because their daughters are still stuck in that stuff. And, and here they've got the grandchildren. And the men have been taught, and that's another thing to pray, but the men have been taught a violent culture and use women, and it's just, it's just the way it is. It's nothing for them just to just use the women and just they're, they're nothing. So they'll get married, and then the man will about beat them to death, and then they'll end up back in those brothels. And that is, that is, the, that is the cycle that has happened over and over again. Anyway, after they prayed for us, these women started doing their crafts, and I'm, I'm showing those, okay? They did the woodworking and the sewing and the bows, and then this is pottery, and somebody donated a kiln, and they're doing pottery, and you can see this. Um, these little beads are their pottery that they make, and they just are all there making them by hand, and they make jewelry. And um, <coughs> anyway, let's see where it was at. To ma- they make those things to, f- to sell to feed their families and to keep them out of this place of prostitution. It was so precious. Today we're going to graduates' homes. If they complete the program, okay, here, here is the program. They come in, they hear about Jesus every single day. They have Bible studies, and then they work went on teaching them how to train their children, how to clean up things, and They wanted this time, they're coming into a season of prayer, how to pray, how to pray for their nation, how to pray for their families, that they could have prosperity. And and, and, um, so once they make it through four years, and I loved April, she she is just this big white lady. I mean, that's just how she's tall, and she's just a big lady, and she's just not afraid of anybody, and I know she just went in those brothels, and it didn't even matter who was there. She's not afraid, and she was in there sharing the Lord with these girls over and over and over again, and and. And anyway, she was sharing a story of someone that had made it all the way to the end, was a month away from her four years, and for whatever reason went back. And she just had tears coming down her face, and I thought, I know, I know how that feels when I've watched ones fall away from the Lord after they knew the Lord. And I was like, no, you can't do that, no. And, and so I really related to even the heart that she had for all of them. Anyway, so once they graduate, then they get $70 given to them to start a business. And so you're going to see a business that's get gotten started, but to start their own business, because that's the only way that they can make money and stay free. They, these houses they're building are all in a neighborhood close to the House of Hope, but they're in fellowship. They, they encourage them to still to come to the meetings and the Bible studies, but they own their own home. If they live there clean and clear for five years, they get the house and the land. It's theirs. And I'm going to tell you how much it costs to build that house. $5,000. $5,000, and we would give a home to somebody. You know, uh, I'm really wanting to take a team down there. We won't want to go except in December, January, and February. It rains seven more, the seven months, floods constantly the other seven months, and mosquitoes are terrible during that time. We were there in the winter uh, for us, and they actually have a school break during that time, too. And there's no um, mosquito. There was, I didn't see any mosquitoes the whole time I was there. So it's a safe time to go. I mean, unless you want to wear one of them suits, 
you know, I would. <laughs> if there's mosquitoes everywhere, I'd be wearing no masks and no suits. And anyway, um, this is, they, I don't know, I don't know if people have donated dresses and things, and, but the children had these pretty, pretty clothes, but they're filthy. I mean, she's on the floor playing, uh, and I just, I, I put that on the Facebook, but I wanted people to see, you know, they don't know to wash, to clean up. Anyway, and then this was uh, another way they get around. Man, these all these um, cars, they keep them forever. They're just old and beat up, but they use them. This is a house, and the, this family has been living there a little while. And notice she's sweeping the dirt. They sweep the dirt, dirt on their ground. That must be their shower. They might maybe have their own shower they've set up. And then we'll, you'll see inside the house. Um, this one, her name is Marta, and she was the most recent graduate, and her little boy is Carlitos. And I, she was the first house we went to, and I was shocked because... Um, I just, you know, I'm thinking a habitat for humanity. <laughs> you know, houses. We live in America. We're going to build you a house, habitat for humanity. Oh, good. And then we got there, and I went, oh. You know, and this girl was suffering some, from some depression because she was so used to all the other women being around, not that they don't fight, but they were all around. And now she feels kind of alone. But I noticed there was neighbors everywhere that were from, so she's not. So we ended up praying for her. But that is her $70 investment. It's a cook stove. That's a really big deal. And she makes some kind of, you know, patties or something that they eat often. And I, I, I don't eat them, so I didn't know what they even, I, I don't even remember what the names of them were. Chupuptas or something. Okay. I really, okay, come on, I can speak Spanish. Dios te bendiga. Anybody know what that means? If you guys are going down there, you're going to have to learn something. Come on. It's God bless you. I, I spent all week trying to learn that. <laughs> and this is Carlitos, and he wanted to show me his toys. And he reminded me of Judah. Big eyes. <laughs> and, and then this was another house. They've been graduates for a while. She has worked very hard. Her name's Charlotte. She's worked very hard. And her daughter is actually in college to be a doctor. She is on her fourth year. And I knew that that was hope. See, if the kids can move forward, there's hope. Because I know that daughter loves her mother and will help take care of her. Anyway, but that's the front room right there. You can see the span of that front room. That's the front room, and then they have two bedrooms. And um, this is two little girls of, of one of the mothers, and she doesn't look older than 17 at the most. She, she probably is, but um, she's young. And that tells you how young they have these babies. And these girls loved me, and they loved my hair. They wanted to mess with it all the time. This is, this is Marta, and she's giving her testimony. And I'm just going to tell you if anyone has to sit and listen to their testimonies, get Kleenex ready, because it's just like, what? Um, one that shared with us, her name was Angela. And her mom and dad, her dad beat her mother, and they were violent. And I think, there, I think there's not so much drugs as alcohol there. And anyway, it, the kids ended up out on the street. Well, she was the oldest, oldest of the siblings, and um, she tried to take care of her living on the street, her brother and her sister. And they would go to school, and they would get made fun of and because they didn't have any shoes, and they lived in rags. And the, and the kids all wear uniforms. So you can go to school without a uniform, but you're really different. And, and that just seared her. So she, at a very young age, I think, I think no older than 13, started living in prostitution. She didn't want her family to know. She just supplied for her brother and sister. And, of course, she got pregnant young. And she ended up having four children during all of this time. She would find a man. He'd about beat her to death. And then she'd end up back in this place. So April comes in. And, 
April starts going to this brothel where she's at and, and begins to share the Lord with her. And, and uh, she'd start crying. And she got her to come to church, and she'd cry all the way through church and then leave and go back to it. And this went on and on and on for months. And me, you know, I'm going to tell you something. It's wonderful to go out and witness, but you need to pull them in. You can't live unless you pull them in. It takes time and relationship to pull in the harvest. It does. It, it costs something. Well, she finally got her to come, and she's sharing, and I don't know what happened, but something clicked. So I said, Angela, what happened that finally you really received the Lord? What happened? And she said, I just saw. I saw what I had. I saw what, it was, what the world offered me, and I saw Jesus, and I wanted him. And from that point on, she... Uh, she asked if she could come. She came and moved into the housing. Now, before that happened, she had something else that set her up, too, though. She was a school teacher. She'd worked really hard to go to school. She's got her kids. So she's got paycheck with the school, but no, it's very low, low pay. Everything is super low pay. So, again, she couldn't afford the clothing for her children, and she was not having her kids go to school and suffer the humiliation. I mean, she's crying. She's telling me the humiliations that she felt. And so she started living in prostitution at night and teaching school in the day and taking care of her kids just to make ends meet and to clothe her kids. And she said that a British filming company wanted to come and expose the prostitution in Nicaragua, and she was all for that, and they could tell she was very educated. So the, they came to the brothel and asked if they could interview her, and she said, sure, I, you know, I want, I want people to understand what's going on here. And, you know, she said that they'll only show it in Great Britain. It won't be here. Well, they ended up putting in all the theaters in Nicaragua. She was totally exposed in front of her family. And then she began to cry. And she said, and then my kids knew, and especially my son. And my son has never accepted me since then. He's so ashamed. And she just, she says, I pray for my son day and night. I pray that God will touch my son. But, you know, Think about all the sons that have been touched by this, that their parents are in these things just to make ends meet. You know, he can't see that. He's just shamed. Anyway, this woman now is one of their leaders. She has made it through. She's got her own home. She actually has married a godly man, still burdened for her son, uh, caring for all these others. And she is a pioneer going out. She goes to Guatemala. Guatemala has, uh, they're getting ready to start a house of hope there, but they are um, full of mafia. So this whole area is infiltrated and dangerous. She just doesn't even care. She gets on a bus, with, uh, rides 12 hours on a bus with another lady. They go out and they go to these brothels at midnight and witness to these women, and they had just led 23 to the Lord. And April said, so you can see, we need land in Guatemala. They're starting four houses of hope, but she said, I'm asking you, if you would ask your church, if they would pray and fast uh, the, every Monday in the month of February that we would get land. And I thought, I also want to pray and fast that the church would be able to build. Something would break for us with government or whatever. And the same with Josh and Brian. It's like, let's go after these things and believe God. That he can make a difference where we've hit walls. And she said, we've hit walls, but we have got a church there. We have got people that we need, and it's just what I said, if you can't pull them in, if you can't minister to them, if you can't take them in where they can grow, they'll, they'll go back because they always do. You know, you, you end up being what you're influenced by and, and, and around. Anyway, um, so she's sharing her testimony, and it was a gripper too. This isn't Angela. Um, this is my interpreter our interpreter, I called her mine because um, I just loved her. Her name's Isabel. She's 33 years old, and so is her husband. Look like little kids, don't they? And uh, she is educated, and both of them graduated from college. He does not have a job. There's no work. 
Um, she gets interpreter jobs occasionally. They have a three-month-old little baby boy named Joel, and um, they're living in his mother's home. This is, this is the bed and breakfast right here. He came to see us. He knew I wanted to see him. And um, anyway, they live in her, his mother's home, and his mother has, has had diabetes, has diabetes. One of her legs is completely cut off, and the other one is starting to have gangrene at the toes. So they are tied, and they will care for her. There's no social system. There's nothing. I mean, that's anyway, but listen to this. And this is the, quote, kind of rich ones, you know. She's going to make a little money. She says, um, I said, how long does it take you to get here? Well, I'd already seen the bus system. I would never get on a bus. I'm brave, but I would not get on their buses. They are squished. I don't like squish. I do not like being squished up against bodies. You look on those buses, and you can't even see a space. They, they don't get seats. Most of them can't sit. And she said, yeah, I had a really hard morning this morning on the way to, it, to work. It's two-and-a-half-hour bus drive like that. On the way to work, a young man was getting ready to go to school. He was dressed in his school uniform. And a family of three, the little girl was eight years old in between the mama and papa. She got sick and threw up all over him. They can't even move. They're on the bus, and that's going on. I said, oh, my gosh, her name is Isabel. I said, and you ride two and a half hours to come? She said, yes, but I have work. And then... Uh, ride two and a half hours home. I mean, she didn't leave sometimes till seven, eight at night. And she's got it. She, and so she brought her album of her baby so that we could all see pictures of her baby. And she just carried it around because she had to leave her three month old baby so they could have money. Well, I had extra money, and I always do when I go. And I gave her extra money. We gave her a large tip also from our team. And uh, the lady that worked there at the bed and breakfast, she also would get up. She had five children at home. She would get up. She'd be there at 5 in the morning, two-hour bus drive to get there. And then she wouldn't leave till 9 at night and a two-hour bus ride to get home. And I just, because I just broke. I mean, I was just like, and they're not lazy. They're not looking for welfare systems. They're not looking for handouts. They're hard workers. Just give them something to do. And that's why those women show up, just to make beads so they can. And um, April had asked if I would take some home to sell to all of you. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I want to do. I said, we can get on a website and make a large order as a church, or we can make a large donation towards this, just towards these women and their work. And um, uh, I, this was really cool, but Cheyenne had, hopefully Cheyenne doesn't, care if I say this, but she had let me know she'd been praying about helping something like this, and that I that my going was confirmation. And I had felt for a long time that God had a call of cards in this thing with Cheyenne, that she's got such a gift. And so anyway, while I was there, she had, I was telling G Gina, well, Gina has a very high up job at Costco. She's one of their main buyers for products. She goes to countries and she's just one of their main buyers. And uh, she saw those cards and, and she has a condo in Lima, in uh, Peru. And she goes, you know, the llama is, is a, a Peru, Peruvian animal or whatever. She said, I, I want at least 12 of those cards right away. And I said, well, I'll, I'll let Cheyenne know and stuff. But Ron said this morning, and so let's pray for breakthrough for that. But he said, hey, she's a buyer of Costco. Costco is a huge. It's way bigger than Sam's. And I thought, hey, why not? Why not that there would be breakthrough for her that what if they would sell her cards? What if they would take on a line? Who knows? Who knows what God will do? You know, I just think we're in such an hour. Uh, anyway, this is Isabel and Isaiah. They want to come and visit. and um, But I don't want to ask them right now. I'd love to. we got room for them. But he didn't want to ask them right now because of his mom. I don't even want pressure on that. That's so... Anyway, and then this was a mom, and she is one of the leaders there, but she's praying for her grandchildren 
the court is about to take them away from the mother, but they won't give them to her. And so it's just devastating, and I think there's four or five of them. And so we ended up praying for her. We met with all the leadership. They all have issues that are just, and that's Isabel. She's interpreting. She's awesome. And this is Charlotte. She was one of the ones I showed her house. And she just just loved me. And she's just an awesome lady and powerful. She's one of them that started the prayer. And then that's Isabel. And that's those trees of light. And you can just see them. The whole city is full of those. <laughs> And we're up on one of the high places right now to pray. And we prayed over um, we prayed over the city and prophesied over it and cried out for God to cause Nicaragua to bless Israel because that is a key for that nation. And uh, so you can see the trees in the background and where we're at. That was actually we're at the top of a... <laughs> A Nicaraguan mall, <laughs> and I, and you see, they got dark hair. I, everybody I was with had dark hair, and I went in that mall, and everybody had this coal black hair, and I'm like, I gotta stick out. I said, Do you think they notice me? She goes, Oh yeah, they notice you. <laughs> I was like, What that gringa doing there? And there's more and more of those trees of light. This is the graduates, and um, they're, um, we're going to do flags over all their homes. This was the very last day, and we didn't have any downtime, so we were supposed to have Saturday as a downtime to go see a little bit, and we didn't get their homes done. And, and it was like, no, I just want to go do their homes. And so we did, and we prayed over and dedicated every one of their homes and did flags and, you know, just those kind of things over the homes. And they said that, um, and we left there probably about one, and it took an hour and a half to get to where I was, where I wiggled my toes. Anybody that saw that, that you know, that was, it was an hour and a half to get there. Sundown was starting about an hour and a half later, and then we rode back two and a half hours. And you do not want to ride very much in Nicaragua if you get carsick. <laughs> Joyce got real carsick, and I was feeling woozy. <laughs> they go over the mountains and through. Oh, I know, Gatlinburg. I was like, this reminds me. Couldn't remember the name of the place. Gatlinburg. Anybody ever been up in the mountains, and, and you see the cliffs, and you're just, uh, and I never want to drive that? Anybody ever seen those in Gatlinburg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. These are awful. And I'm like, this guy does this all the time. He knows how to do this. And we got to one place where the place was. It was on the side of the mountain like that. And, and uh, Joyce was going, I got to get out. I got to get out. I, I can't. I'll walk. I'll walk. I'll walk down. I can't get it. You got to stop. I got to get out. Because if his brakes had let loose, we'd been in the um, whatever that was a lake. <laughs> Might have been that. <clears throat> anyway, so this is us getting ready to pray over the graduates' home. Um, let me see if there was anything else I, I left out. One of the days I shared about miracles, and then I got to pray for the sick. And April, the leader, has a blocked ear, and I was able to pray for that. And um, with all these people, miracles are needed. Jesus, we need miracles in the, in the church. We need miracles to walk forward. There's signs you are with us. Help Ron and I to pursue these. Um, willingness to surrender and go lower, to be drawn to God's heart is holiness. Keep us going lower. Hopelessness, self-pity is often unwillingness to surrender and go lower. Our interpreter, I was telling, I already told that. Um, we prayed and prophesied over all the staff. Yep, that was the end of it, I think so. We prayed and prophesied over all the staff, and then we prayed over all of these women and prophesied over them. Um, this is one of their homes. She actually has a husband. And those are all her kids. Um, she was awesome. You can tell the ones that have gotten Jesus in their lives. And there's something solid about them. 
and then that was the place where we went. Um, they, it was nice, but it was kind of cool, whatever it was. And then that's the lake, and the, that's a those are volcanoes around there. And that's the lake with the volcanoes and all that. See, isn't that pretty? You can go to rich places. You just have to pick them. <laughs> and, oh, this is so rich, it costs $88 a day to stay in one of their nice rooms. Isn't that amazing? Joyce said if she ever gets married, she's going to come down there. <laughs> That's what she's so funny. Anyway, <clears throat> this is one of the houses that they built, and this was a team from a church in North Carolina, and it was the year before. And this is how they build it. There's the front room, and then there's the two bedrooms in the back. And it's actually styrofoam with um, some kind of uh, wire net mesh, and the women can help too anyway, but it helps because of the, um, the humidity and the rain and all of those kind of things that are going on with uh, their, their weather there, and that's it. So I don't, you can turn it off. <clears throat> I hope that when I shared that with you that you felt like at least you were a little there. All I'm telling you is they're just like us. And at times when I get burdened over your families and your kids are sick or, oh, so-and-so's dealt with it for a while or these kind of things are going on, and I'll feel that I can't even imagine. Oh, God, keep them from going back. Give them, you know, one thing we have here that is just so rich is these godly men who treat us all like queens. I mean, we are blessed God has given such wonderful men of God in this church. I mean, I, I was burdened for that. I thought, who's teaching the men how to be men? You know, the women can't live in this culture alone. And, you know, little by little, but saying all that, um, I felt like that when I was sharing that, that there was... Uh, a couple people that just felt um, their heart kind of race when they were hearing, like, like, that's something like what I would like to do. I would like to touch lives like that. If that's you, just raise your hand. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that ain't going to work. I didn't bring out a... Uh, I've got to narrow that down. <laughs> One, I want you to all come up here and line up the ones that, that were revealing that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, whew. Josh, you want to come up and play um, that song? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know what to do. I got three things. <laughs> But I want I want hands laid on, and I'm just what I'm going to do is I'm going to start praying for one, and then you're going to join me. And we're going to pray for the next, and we're going to pray for the next, and and you all join me all the way down till we get to the end, because I believe it's the heart of God and the heart of of this church. Okay, how many um, felt in their hearts a commitment to fast and pray? Okay, you guys, come on. <laughs> I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to give them to girls because the boys aren't going to want an apron or a purse or a necklace or a, or a bracelet. So I'm thinking of a number between. I'm serious. This is terrible. One and fifty, and I ain't got it yet.
Okay, I got it. Tell me a number, your numbers. Haley? Okay, it was 30, so Haley. And there was a 29. And, and what was the next one closest to it? There was a 36. Okay, so... Come to me. Who who are you? <laughs> she liked it when she saw it. <laughs> okay, we're going to just pray. And if the rest of the worship team that's not in line wants to come up, and um, I guess we don't have words. Can we do one that we just know then? Probably. Okay. You know, let's just pray. We're going to pray over all of you, but Father, it's not just about Nicaragua for us as a church. It is about a yes to you, no matter what. If it's just to be a good workman in, in the place they work, if it's just to be a good wife and mother, if it's, good, if it's just to be a good grandma, those things are the things we're going after for we're in these other countries. If it's just to be a good husband, but Lord, to go lower and say we're mere servants, I'm asking you to grant us a humility we've not known. Lord, I know we weren't taught it. Lord, it's not a worthlessness. We're sons and daughters. We already know who we are. We're valuable to you. But we choose to be mere servants on this earth. God, I ask you that you would come and you would anoint us as mere servants. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. 